0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more
2: at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X governance. Learn more at ibm.com/governance. IBM. Let's create.
4: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Hello, and welcome to Savor Production of iHeart Radio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about chia and chia seeds.
2: Yes, which a lot of you have suggested, mm-hmm. um, and I. A couple years ago, I went on this huge, like, chia seeds phase. Oh, yeah? I was putting them in everything. I was putting them in baked goods and smoothies, um, yogurt. I would use them as a substitute for eggs. But it kind of fizzled out. However, um, as some of you listeners know, as Lauren certainly knows, throughout this pandemic, I have acquired more snacks than i normally have through (laughs) Uh various yeah like people giving me things or just you know just in case um and it got to the point where it was a health hazard when i would open my pantry and like things (laughs) would fall out and i kept putting it off like i just kept Mm -hmm. thinking this is going to be a miserable experience i bet something's broken in the back and there's cockroaches like i I had this whole like concern
1: sure sure just anxiety about it yeah
2: yeah, but a couple weekends ago I had somebody over for the first time in a year. Oh. Like that isn't like super close to me, so I felt like I did have to clean up around right. uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I was cleaning out the, the pantry. I uncovered so many things. Over a hundred koozies for sure. Uh definitely something <laughs> was broken and I it was a hazard. I got injured. Oh no. I found a packet of chia seeds. Ah, and I was like, oh yes. Delightful I <laughs> Yes. I also found some sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and quinoa. That okay. I did know I had. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well All kinds of things. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my recent chia experience. Well, that is uh, a,
1: <laughs> you're, you're, you're in for a very seedy future. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've never really gotten in on the chia seed trend. I don't think I've ever used them at home. Um, uh, but I don't, I mean, not for any particular reason. I think I just kind of saw the trend happening because mm-hmm. it was quite intense for a few years there, and kind of went like, Meh, nah. uh, <laughs> that that just just total noncommittal. Like mm-hmm. I I don't care about this, and people care so much about it that I care less. Right. Uh, sort of sort of thing, which isn't a very useful human emotion, but none, <laughs> nonetheless, it was one that I was experiencing. But uh, but doing this research, I'm I'm inspired to maybe go out and find some, you know, grow some, get some little sprouts going.
2: Chia pet, perhaps? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: We've got some good ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> As we shall talk about yes. later in the episode. But yes. I suppose this brings us to our question. Yes, chia. What is it? Well, uh, chia is an herbaceous plant that is uh, soft-stemmed and smallish in the uh, salvia genus within the mint family. A couple different species are referred to as chia, botanical names Salvia hispanica and Salvia uh, columbariae. Yes, we're going to go with that. Mm. Uh, They are related to stuff like sage and thyme, but are less aromatic and more commonly used as as a small green, like like sprouts, uh, like other sprouts are used, or for their seeds. The plants can grow to about a meter tall, around three feet, and produce these small white and purple or, or white and blue flowers. It's a uh, fall to winter flowering plant, but grows in the tropics and or subtropics, um, places with very mild winters, like no frost. The flowers will dry out on the plants, and uh, then the seeds grow to maturity in bunches of four in those papery little flower shells. Um, and those seeds are very small and flat, like uh, like sesame seeds are smaller, but a little bit less pointy. They're technically the whole fruit of the chia plant. Um, unlike fleshy fruits like, say, apples, the outer layers of the chia fruit are thin and dry and inseparable from the single inner seed of the fruit. So yeah, that whole fruit is referred to as a seed, and those seeds come in uh, neutral shades like white to brown to black to spotted. And you can use them as a topping or addition to baked goods or salads, raw or toasted. Their flavor is mild and a tiny bit nutty. The seeds also produce a lot of goo when you get them wet. Mm. <laughs> like a like a tiny edible gremlin. Or mob <laughs> I guess.
2: Yeah, you got to be accurate.
1: There. Yeah, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, although gremlins also produce a lot of goo when you get them wet. But anyway. It's true this this goo, in the case of chia seeds, not magwai, um is well actually probably in both is called mucilage, um which is uh, stuff that gloms onto uh water molecules and then expands in a in a matrix, holding that water, yeah, in this like slightly sticky matrix of of molecules um in nature, this is useful because it will help like a wee dry seed hang on to the water that it needs to grow um, and or help it stick to, say, the fur of an animal that might help disperse it and or will help it stick to uh, the soil that it lands in. All of this helped chia thrive in the sort of arid, hot areas that it evolved in, namely um, mountainous regions of what's now Mexico and Guatemala. The mucilage is also why Chia is a great seedling for small indoor decorative planters like chia pets because you just mix like one part seeds to three parts water. And within a very short period of time, uh, the mixture will gel up into this like spreadable goo. Yeah, that you can easily uh, plant onto a terracotta pot or, you know, anything else with a permeable surface up to and including just like a paper towel. They do germinate quickly and will grow sprouts within a few days to a couple of weeks, so they're they're an easy DIY science and/or decorative project. Um, and yes, you can harvest your chia pets' fur for your sandwiches or smoothies. We are a food show,
2: <laughs> despite evidence to the otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of it as fur, but I guess yeah, that's technically what it's acting as in yeah. This scenario. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> Mm. Back to the mucilage, uh, culinarily, the mucilage is uh, is useful because it forms a sort of a, a gelled texture, like like gelatin or pudding or or egg. Um, so you can use chia seeds to thicken or add interesting texture to any number of foods. Um, it, it's both gelled and it has that little crunchy crunchy bit from the seed. Um, chia is used, thus, in uh, in drinks like uh, like lemonade or other juices, in both sweet and savory porridges and puddings, as a vegan substitute for eggs and recipes, or um, to replace some of the oil or egg content in baked goods. Um, the seeds are sold whole or processed into flours, oils, and gels. Yeah. Um, if anyone has
2: not used chia seeds, I actually think it's pretty cool. Like, you, you get the seeds in there, put some water, and then boop (laughs) it's like a science experiment yes (laughs) something out of a horror movie now they would be a good food to use for some special effects type things
1: oh sure yeah yes oh man where i miss our video series where's (laughs) that one looks so gross (laughs) right where is tyler and our like time-lapse extreme close-up camera rig i want it (laughs) Why
2: what God are the days unfortunately where we just spent hours watching honey drip <laughs> with that camera focused <laughs> on it. And then people would come in and like, what are you doing? Oh, we're just filming this honey drip. Oh, all right.
1: <laughs> Look at how cool it is. Okay. Mesmerizing. It was. Mesmerizing. <laughs> it was. <sighs> <sighs> well anyway. Anyway.
2: Maybe one day, maybe one day. I got this packet of chia seeds so we could put them to use.
1: <laughs> but, all right,
2: in the meantime, what about the nutrition?
1: Uh, chia products are pretty good for you. Uh, the greens have a good punch of fiber and vitamins. The seeds are more calorie-dense. Uh, they're oily with good fats um, and with a with a good punch of protein and fiber, plus a smattering of minerals. Chia seeds are apparently the best-known source of omega-3 fatty acids in plants that human people eat, like even better than flaxseed. Yeah. Um, The seeds are up to a third oil by weight, and um, they also contain more protein than corn or wheat or rice or quinoa. Uh, They also contain a number of antioxidant compounds that are being investigated for helping reduce the risk of a number of diseases and conditions, uh, heart disease and cancer, for example. And that mucilage can help soothe the digestive tract, um, slow your digestion rate, make you feel more full, and help your body regulate blood sugar levels. So cool stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. However, uh, since, yes, the seeds contain this stuff that, like, absorbs a whole bunch of water, if you eat them, make sure to hydrate. I mean, always make sure to hydrate. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, in, in large amounts, chia seeds can have a blood thinning effect. There's a compound in there that can do that. Um, and they contain another compound um, that, that will reduce mineral absorption from your digestive system into your body. Um, So, you know, a couple tablespoons, fine, like a pound, I don't know. I, you know, as as (laughs) always with everything, um, uh, our bodies are complicated. More research is necessary. Before ingesting a medicinal dose of anything, consult with a health professional who is not us. (laughs) Yes, definitely not us. Oh, and uh, that that mucilage is also, furthermore, furthermore, being investigated um, for for other uses, like in manufacturing medicine capsules and for work in nanotechnology, because the fibers that make up that mucilage are uber tiny. They're like eighteen to forty five nanometers in length, and and the and the matrices that they that they build can be quite strong. Um, so yeah, this could be. Useful in stuff like control-release drugs. Ah, so cool nanotechnology. (laughs) You never never know where the research is going to take you. You really don't. Chia pets (laughs) and nanotech. You're all over the place. Um,
2: (laughs) We do have some numbers for you.
1: We do. um, A single seed can absorb 12 times its weight in water.
2: That's amazing.
1: Certainly more than I can absorb. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I would have to calculate, but probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mexico is the
1: world's largest chia producer. Um, apparently, sprouted chia displays are part of springtime celebrations in parts of Mexico and throughout Central America. Chia is also cultivated in Bolivia, Colombia, Guatemala, Peru, Argentina, and Australia. The biggest importers are Japan, the United States, and Europe. Um, and recently, though, the, the U.S. and a few countries in the Mediterranean have also started growing it commercially. Um, the global market is predicted to reach $9.3 billion in value by the end of 2027. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there are a few a dozen known varieties of chia, both wild and domestic. And?
2: According to the guy that made them popular, about 500,000 Chia Pets are sold a year during the holiday season. And yes, more on that later. 90% are sold during the holidays, and that's pretty much the only time they market the product, which is impressive because, dang, that commercial (laughs) (laughs) sticks with you. Um, Their website claims that as of 2019, 15 million Chia Pets have been sold. Which is... Oof a
1: lot yeah Chia pets, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for decorative terracotta i'm like okay yeah no you did good mm-hmm. you did you made it <laughs> um and yeah we're going to cover
2: some of that in the history section
1: uh we will and we will get into that uh but first we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same,
2: and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received
1: some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am
2: very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I like opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia,
2: and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives.
1: The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn
2: more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E.com slash savor.
3: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X. And modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create.
4: Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. World's number one dad, better than a world's number one dad coffee mug, is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit b a r t e s i a n dot com backslash father to get fifty dollars off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Artesian premium cocktails on demand.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, Um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
1: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and Native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're
2: back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So chia seeds originated in the central and south americas um early mesoamerican peoples cultivated chia seeds prizing them for their perceived nutritional and medicinal benefit i couldn't find an exact date or even like a generalized date <laughs> but i'm guessing old old
1: long time yes. ago yes
2: yes um they were a significant product for the aztec empire um perhaps even a primary food source, and one of the main four components of their diets. One of the very first known written references of chia seeds supports this fact, a 3,500 BCE description of the importance of chia seeds for the Aztecs. And yeah, they were used in all kinds of things, um, ground up into flour, mixed with water to make a drink. They were used in medicines, bird feed, um, pressed for oils, uh, body paint, and as a way to protect paintings
1: and religious statues. Uh yeah the uh, the word chia in fact stems from a Nahuatl word for oily. And the shelf
2: life of the seeds and the flowers, is one of the things that made it popular in these times in pre-Columbian societies it might have been the second most important crop behind beans. It was up there. It yeah. It was up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though records are lacking, researchers believe chia seeds were a staple for the Mayans. Historians speculate it was a cash crop in central Mexico from 1500 to 900 BCE, and that it was being cultivated in the central valley of Mexico from 2600 to 2000 BCE. Oof. Yeah, I know. That always mixes me up, that... Reverse. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, warriors in these civilizations may have thought that chia seeds provided stamina, which they might not have been far off on that. Um, chia seed consumption dropped precipitously in colonial Mexico, or at least that's what the records seem to indicate. It was primarily consumed in beverage form in this region in something called agua de chia or chia water. However, in 1579, Friar Bernardino de Sahagún wrote about seeing bars of syrup, almonds, and chia seeds at Mexican markets. He also wrote about the medicinal properties of chia seeds for multiple diseases, sometimes in combination with other herbs.
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, Spanish uh, codices from the time talk about chia being used as, as widely as maize was. In his 1780 work, Ancient
2: History of Mexico... Priest Francisco Javier Clavajero described the Mexican military's use of chia seeds in their exercises. The 1894 work Nueva Farmacopía de México listed several pharmaceutical uses of the chia seed, even as something that could be introduced to the eye to get rid of extraneous bodies and talk huh. about some horror movie fodder.
1: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> yes. I feel, I
2: also feel conflicted. Um, For centuries, the chia seeds seem to have all but disappeared from written records and didn't really resurface until the mid-20th century.
1: Yeah, it certainly, I think, experienced a dip in popularity during Spanish colonization. Yes.
2: Um, But okay, jumping way ahead. Uh Uh-huh. As promised, (laughs) let's talk about chia pets. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I'm imagining most of you do, but this is, yeah, a clay pot with a space for soil, and it comes with chia gel that would grow chia hair or fur, as you said, Lauren. <laughs> um, advertised with the catchy jingle, ch-ch-ch-chia, popular uh-huh. during the 80s and 90s. According to some sources, Chia Pet's are partially responsible for introducing and popularizing chia seeds in the United States. After marketer Joe Pedutt, or P. uh found a chia pet for sale by a man named Walter Houston in the 1970s at a housewares fair, um, he was told when he was visiting this that the items always sold out and intrigued, he did some research, came to the conclusion this could be a best seller with the right marketing campaign. And so he purchased the company manufacturing these chia pets. Houston had been importing them from Mexico, but the middleman in between at the factory in Houston, it sounds like, was cheating everyone out of a bunch of money. Because, uh. yeah, Joe was like, well, these should be making money. How is this Houston guy not not rolling in the chia pet dough? But he <laughs> did some <laughs> digging and was like, aha, this is why. Um, and craft the successful marketing campaign, He did. Uh, Legend goes that someone pretended to or actually did stutter the name in an alcohol-fueled brainstorming session. And that's how they landed on the jingle. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which makes sense. Sure. In in some ways. Uh, It was so successful that this product became iconic and was selected to be a piece of the New York Times Time Capsule. To be opened in the year 3000, which I I don't consider myself a cynic, but I'm like, wow, <laughs> you think of would be around 3000? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, it contains a tin of Spam, a Betty Crocker cookbook, and a Purple Heart medal. And see how culturally important food is? It's like three of the four things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Pettot donated his company's papers, TV ad tapes, and some Chia Pets to the National Museum of American History. Excellent. I never had one. I know, isn't that so great? We can't let the Chia's Chia pet get forgotten. We must remember <laughs> always. Um, I never had one, but my friend, one of my best friends growing up did, and I was so jealous. I was so jealous. I think it was Scooby-Doo. Um, which double jealous then?
1: Oh yeah,
2: yes. Um, many pop culture characters have been turned into chia pets, but the first chia pet sold in 1977 was Chia Guy, which is kind of a cartoony, creepy-looking man head. <laughs> it unsettled me. Um, the popular ram shape that a lot of people are familiar with um, was released in 1982.
1: Over the years, all kinds of shapes have been sold. Though um, today, they have uh, a range including animals like uh, like llamas, hedgehogs, puppies, and kittens. Uh, then, real world personalities like Bob Ross, Richard Simmons, Weird Al Yankovic, David Hasselhoff. They have a whole emoji line going, including the poop emoji. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> which is a little more confusing to me because like emojis <laughs> have very Discrete edges. It's part of their, like, definition. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, fictional characters like Rick and Morty, Pennywise the Clown, if that's a thing that you want oh in your gosh. house. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gizmo from the Gremlins. Uh, hey. uh, all four Golden Girls. And, yes. yes, Grogu, the child from The Mandalorian. Um, and <laughs> Chewie and Yoda. <laughs>
2: well, i, I, I kind of want to get one but i gotta i gotta say i gotta i've gotta look up this weird owl one um i'm just curious you know it's just his
1: head and he's kind of got he's 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 kind of got a little <laughs> floof of hair anyway so it really makes sense mm-hmm. with the with the chia it,
2: it just makes sense <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's natural
2: <laughs> maybe one day you and I will be chia pets <laughs> That'd be a nightmare, oh, <laughs> but also a great honor.
1: <laughs> it, it would it would be a great honor. It is like pretty much the opposite of either of our hairstyles. Um, that is, but yes, you know, I again anything for chia. I guess.
2: <laughs> um, the company Joseph Enterprises even claims that their so-called chia poll predicts American presidential winners. <laughs> Um, for each election in recent history, they released one for the Democrat and one for the Republican candidates um, for presidents, and they track the sales of them. According to them, the sales of their Obama and Romney chia pets roughly amounted to the Electoral College win outcome of that election, and that the former president's chia pet outsold Hillary Clinton's by about seventy percent to thirty huh. percent. So, wow, cheap sure. polls, Chia pet polls, <laughs> cheap pet polling. Okay. Researcher Wayne Coates helped expose North America to chia seeds in the 1980s as well when he was looking into them as an alternate crop for northern Argentine farmers. He started really researching them and their health benefits in 1991 and became a big proponent for them. One of the ways that chia seeds gained superfood status was Christopher McDougall's 2009 book, Born to Run, A Hidden Tribe, Super Athletes, and the Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen featuring a section detailing how Aztec marathon runners snacked on chia seeds. From this, health marketers started really advertising the health benefits of chia seeds, and companies in the health food space are looking to get into that space, began putting chia seeds in all kinds of items. Like you said, Lauren, they were everywhere for oh, yeah. a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. By, um, by 2012, certainly, they were a legitimate food fad um, at the time. The global market for the seeds was still small. It was only worth some um, some seventy million dollars a year. Compare that back to what did what did I say it was going to be by like twenty twenty seven like (laughs) nine point three billion. Yeah. Um, uh, In in the decade that followed that book's release, Google searches for chia seeds rose eight hundred (laughs) percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I kind of yeah, remember that whole
2: that whole thing of um, I say this as a runner uh, when all hmm. of a sudden all these running books were coming out.
4: Yeah, and
2: like everyone was trying to figure out uh, the the way to run is without shoes, or the way to run like all these different things being bombarded with these messages. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was such a what a what a what an odd time. I, I was working actually in um, in marketing for. Uh, a company whose main client was New Balance, and so uh, I was wrapped up in the bleeding edge of all of <laughs> this marketing about how to how to run, and when, you know the 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 research about the midfoot strike and yep. pronation and. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness, uh, just just all of these, all and, and the whole barefoot running trend, and the mm. whole minimal shoe trend. I own a pair of minimal shoes, because <laughs> New Balance gave them to me. I will say that they're great for, um, uh, I don't like running in them. I don't like running, though. <laughs> uh, but I do love wearing them to rock gyms. Oh, I bet. Because they're real grippy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Topic for a different episode, perhaps. Or a different podcast, I guess. I... <laughs> <No>.
2: Edible <laughs> shoe
1: products. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, um, yeah. But that's
2: about where this episode on GSCs has brought us. We, t- we like the runners, have covered much ground.
1: We have. We have. Um, We mm-hmm. do have some listener mail for you.
2: We do. But first, we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do
2: love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am
2: very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at
2: westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E.com slash savor.
3: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X. And modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create.
4: Father's Day is coming. A day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off, no dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico.
1: We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately,
2: it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
1: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And hey, we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you.
2: And we're back with listener mail. Yes. Yeah, you see what I did there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I caught on like halfway through, solidly fifty percent of the way in. Hey, fifty percent better than nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> halfway there. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um. Thatcher wrote, I was so excited to see that you made a Fallout Foods episode. I love that game, and I played New Vegas all the time in college. An interesting food that came to mind was Ruby's casserole. Hmm. You can learn to craft it when you bring rad scorpion poison glands to an NPC in New Vegas. Then you get the following delightful quote from Ruby: It's perfectly safe long as you don't have sores in your mouth for the venom to find your blood, because that'll kill you dead. <laughs> It made me think, can you eat venom in real life? Would you be able to consume real scorpion venom as long as you didn't have cuts in your mouth? What would
1: it taste like?
2: Maybe this is a topic for another episode.
1: Oh, yeah huh. that makes me want to Google a number of things right now <laughs> uh, yeah, i'm it's one of those topics that I'm
2: a little nervous to undertake. But I think I am intrigued as well. Nervous and intrigued is where I find myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) An excellent place. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think that happens
2: fairly often on
1: this show, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jin wrote, I just wanted to write in and tell you about how my family uses our fondue set at least once a year. My parents have had a fondue set for as long as I can remember, but as he said in the episode, it's not something you bust out on the regular for weeknight dinners. I can barely remember it being used until a few years ago, when my dad hit on the idea of cheese board fondue. My family goes hard on the cheese over Christmas, with a lot of options being brought to the board for the day itself, and plenty to be consumed in the days following— Of course, leftovers aren't exactly in short supply after Christmas, so there will always be a few lumpy bits of cheese of varying types and sizes, slowly sweating their way into distastefulness as the days go on. My dad had the idea of scraping all the leftover cheese, uh, plus some extra emmental and gruyere um, and a healthy amount of kirsch, into the fondue pot and using it up that way. It was such a resounding success the first time we tried it. We've done it every Christmas since— I highly recommend it as a way to use up bits of leftover cheese, especially once you've run out of nice crackers and biscuits to go with it. I love your show, especially to listen to as I cook, and I'm now so familiar with it that I like to speak your introductions and farewells along with you as you say them. So, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that I hope lots of good things are coming your way, too.
2: Oh, Aww. I love that. <laughs> right? That is so great. I think we've discussed it before on the show, but we listen to these episodes before they publish Mm -hmm. to make sure there aren't any mistakes or anything we want to take out. And uh, the other day I was listening to the pimento cheese one and I caught myself doing this too. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. I need to step back.
1: (laughs) Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever done that. To our shows, I do have a friend who who listens um, to one of the other shows that I do, American Shadows, and she says that, A, um, occasionally her roommates will be like, is Lauren over? What's going on? Why are you talking about murder? Um, And also that when I say I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, um, she's like, hi, Lauren. So (laughs) I know, right, right. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I do.
2: I catch myself doing that too, um, but usually, uh, to uh, like when I'm watching a movie or something, I'll talk.
1: To oh, the characters. yeah, yeah. And I've
2: for some reason lately, I've caught myself apologizing to furniture a lot. Okay. Um, like if I bump into something, I'm sure. like, oh, sorry, but it's like an inanimate. It's apology. definitely
1: <laughs> inanimate. Yeah. <Huh. laughs> I I will I will especially in frustrating moments in television shows whether they're meant. to to be frustrating or not, uh if a character is doing something particularly dense. I'll be like Dean Winchester. <laughs> stop that. <laughs> just for example. <laughs>
2: yeah, just off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well this also sounds like a wonderful <laughs> cheese tradition.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh no cheese left behind. That's I'm so happy to hear. Absolutely. Right?
1: Yes.
2: Yes. Um, Thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can.
1: Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
4: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women
0: If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is.
2: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at
0: experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.